This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, October 21st. Coming up, Kansas City is vying to host the 2026 Men's Soccer World Cup, and we'll hear how local arts and music venues survived the pandemic. But first, Kansas City is losing a major part of its affordable housing stock, small apartment buildings. A new study from the University of Missouri-Kansas City has found that losing these buildings is making the city more expensive and less inclusive. KCUR's Carlos Moreno reports. After Adrian Moore and his son got priced out of their last apartment, the choices were slim. Moore says he got lucky when he stumbled across a two-bedroom unit in a fourplex just east of Prospect. It's important for well, me to be in this area because of the bus route and close downtown and to areas, you know, in case my car breaks down. After a serendipitous meeting with the landlord, he and his son landed in this 98-year-old building with a rent of $750 a month. Moore has lived in the neighborhood for three decades. Anywhere else in the city, Moore says, this same kind of apartment would cost at least $900. And even that's becoming harder to find. It's, it's no property really left in the inner city in like in between the areas of 27th Street and down to like 44th Street. A recent study from UMKC confirms as much. Small apartment complexes, those with fewer than 20 units, like the one Moore lives in, are disappearing from the housing market in Kansas City. The study focused on the Central Economic Development Sales Tax District, an area that stretches along the Prospect Corridor from 9th Street to Gregory Boulevard. Aaron Royals, one of the report's authors, says they found that 407 small apartment units in this area were demolished in the last 20 years. When you demolish those, you're demolishing affordable housing. Many of these buildings are between 50 years and a century old and need upgrades, potentially costing tens of thousands of dollars. The landlords are often local mom-and-pop type owners. When their zip codes fall in low-income neighborhoods, though, Aaron says it's challenging to secure loans for big restoration projects. And it kind of puts it on people to be able to self-finance. And that that's a tall task regardless of where you're trying to do the rehabbing at. Without the funds to fix them up, these apartments increasingly fall into disrepair. When that happens, the owners decide it's cheaper to simply tear the whole thing down. Ward Katz operates DRS Management, which oversees a number of properties in the Kansas City metro. He says this business thrives on economies of scale, especially when it comes to maintenance. More and more, Kansas City's real estate market has trended toward larger apartment complexes. It is not easy to manage the single-family homes or the smaller buildings. You need to have a critical mass of them to support uh, maintenance uh, personnel. Aaron Royal says that losing these small apartment buildings leads to higher demand and higher rents. But there's something more Kansas City loses, housing diversity. According to the UMKC study, when these smaller buildings disappear, it becomes nearly impossible to maintain neighborhoods that are socially and economically inclusive. We know that here in Kansas City, but also like more broadly nationally, small apartments are kind of the core of affordable housing. Once you move in, this is your home. I will do everything. Jessica Brown owns the fourplex on Montgomery Avenue where Adrian Moore lives. She bought the building earlier this year. It has good bones. It just needed some cosmetic repairs but she was skeptical about approaching a bank for funding. 
So far, all the costs have come out of her pocket. And I'm small. I'm a little bitty crumb in what they loan to. She's raised rents, but only by a little. All of her units still go for under $800 a month. Jessica says she wants to purchase and rehab more buildings like this one, but keep them affordable. For her, the goal is to reclaim the vibrancy of this neighborhood. Some of us are not buying it to get rich. We just want to provide. Make enough to cover the costs and provide. That brings up the whole inner city. Without some help, though, a lot more of these small buildings will wind up slated for demolition instead of occupied by families who need them. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Carlos Moreno. You can find more stories in our series on Kansas City housing on our website, kcur.org. Now, some headlines. Colin Powell's military and political career included two stints at Fort Leavenworth in Kansas. The four-star general died this week from complications due to COVID. KCUR's Luke Martin reports. It was 1967 when then-Major Powell first arrived at Fort Leavenworth. He would return throughout his career and left a lasting impact there. Jeff Wingo is the Fort Leavenworth Public Information Officer. He came back in 1982 as a Brigadier General and served as the Deputy Commanding General of the Combined Arms Center in Fort Leavenworth. So, a uh, very prestigious assignment here. Powell helped establish the Fort's Buffalo Soldier Monument and the Circle of Firsts, which recognizes the military contributions of black Americans. Powell was himself the country's first black national security advisor, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and Secretary of State. He was 84. A delegation from soccer's World Governing Organization is in town for Kansas City's 2026 World Cup bid. Greg Eklund has more for KCUR. The delegation is in town for the Men's World Cup bid at the same time that the U.S. women's national team has a Thursday night match at Children's Mercy Park. Women's team coach Flatko Andonofsky, who lives in Kansas City, says he's happy that the delegation is seeing Kansas City firsthand. They'll be uh, surprised to see the, the support that uh, that soccer has uh, from uh, Kansas Cityans, and they'll be, they'll be surprised to see the buzz in the community. The governing body, known as FIFA, is expected to narrow its choices of cities next year. We'll be back after a message from our sponsors. UMB Private Wealth Management, a division of UMB Bank, takes the time to understand your history, goals, and priorities. UMB tailors financial planning services and resources to help you accumulate, preserve, and protect your wealth for whatever life throws your way. It's all about establishing a customized plan for you so you can focus on the important parts of life, like spending time with family and friends, pursuing your passions, or building a career. Feel confident about your future at UMB Private Wealth Management. Everything we do starts with you. Learn more at umb.com slash wealth hyphen management. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Like many other businesses in March 2020, arts venues and businesses in Kansas City had to shut down almost completely. 
While some have since reopened, it's been hard for them to return to pre-pandemic levels of income and customers. So Lisa Kalakal is a reporter with the Kansas City Beacon, and she's been reporting on how local arts businesses have been recovering. And she's joining me now over Zoom. Hi, Salisa. Hi, thanks for having me. So how did the pandemic affect arts venues and businesses in Kansas City? You know, probably the biggest way it impacted these venues is it really pretty much shut down any kind of live performance that uh, venues normally have. And even when the shutdown orders were lifted in Kansas City, a lot of people were still very hesitant to actually go to live performances. A lot of the capacity restrictions as well for businesses applied to these uh, theaters and live venues. And so, you know, you have theaters like the Starlight Theater, like the Kansas City Ballet. They essentially had little to no performances at all uh, in 2020 and even parts of, you know, early 2021 uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, And so their revenues, it really took a big hit. How have businesses been trying to adjust to that decline in visitors? When you think about the Starlight Theater, uh, you know, for instance, I think one thing they did was they actually partnered with other arts organizations uh, in Kansas City. They actually hosted the Kansas City Ballet, and that was something that was new for them. And, you know, it forced a lot of businesses to really go online. And then another thing that was a really big lifesaver for these venues was this federal grant program called the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant. It allowed live venues so concert venues, uh, theaters, uh, even museums, to essentially uh, apply for money to recoup some of the losses that they uh, kind of retained because of the pandemic. 48 uh, businesses in Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas, uh, received money from the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant, and the collective total was $51.2 million. So that's federal money coming into Kansas City to help these businesses. Um, and out of those 48 uh, venues, 12 of them received grants over $1 million. What about businesses that didn't get access to the grant? I actually spoke with the Riot Room. So the Riot Room, um, it's an independently owned um, smaller concert venue in Kansas City. They knew about the Shuttered Venue Operators Program. They applied pretty immediately. And then there was a technical crash in the online portal system uh, that same month in about mid-April. Uh, and it impacted pretty much anyone who applied for the program already. And when they went back into the portal, they found that essentially their application and their information was gone. So they did uh, apply one more time, but then they didn't hear anything back. And what they think happened is they applied and then for whatever reason, the SBA uh, lost their information. So at that point, August hit and they closed down the portal. You know, they really needed this grant to come through uh, in order to just keep surviving. They pretty much lost their space or it was leased out to another buyer, or at least it was in the process of being uh, sold to someone else. And so that, in combination with not getting the grant, they had to make the really hard decision to close down. So what does the future hold for the arts in Kansas City? Do we know if things will go back to normal? For some venues, they have seen an unexpected, um, I think, uptick. Uh, in revenue uh, just this year. Uh, The Kansas City Zoo is a really good example of this. At the beginning of 2021, they had projections for zoo attendance and they set it at 650,000, which is pretty low. They've seen about 700,000 visitors so far. So they predict they'll finish the year having 
uh, close to about 800,000 visitors, which is only about a 15% decrease from its normal projections. Concerts are back for sure. Places like the Record Bar, which is another kind of small uh, concert venue in Kansas City, they're having performances again. Grinders in the Crossroads is having outdoor shows again. You know, Kansas Cityans in general, I think, are itching to go back to these kind of big communal events. Um, so I think a lot of people are asking themselves, you know, is it safe to go back to shows again? Um, and venues on their end are also kind of asking themselves that question. And, you know, they have yet to see, I think, what the future looks like for them. Salisa Kalakal is a reporter for the Kansas City Beacon. Thank you, Salisa. Thanks. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Salisa's story about local venues, visit our website, kcur.org, where you can also find our live stream. If you like Kansas City Today, share it with your friends or leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Tomorrow, we'll hear how a Kansas City tenant won against her landlord in court and how that might impact future housing court cases. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.